I missed you guys. I missed you guys. We were just gone a couple of days, but we missed you guys. And, and uh, come back. Of course, the first thing we had to do when we got back was eat. And uh, we went to Steak and Shake. I guess it was yesterday. And we walked in and seen Chanel. And, of course, I didn't even know she was working. And her eyes just lit up and come up and give us hugs. I was like, I love that because I feel the same way when I see our church being like, hey, I know them. want to go hug and love one of them. And it just made us feel so good, and we were excited to be home. But today, I want to speak for just a few minutes about our church and the ministry of our church. Pastor Kirk is getting ready to leave right now. Children, you can be dismissed to the children's church. You can trust Pastor Kirk and Jennifer. They're going to go over into the next room. They're going to teach the Word of God on a level just a little bit lower than what I'm teaching it today. We're going to be reading from the book of Mark, chapter 16, and verse 15. If you don't mind standing with us for the reading of God's word, we're going to get right into it. Mark, chapter 16, verse number 15. The word of God says, And he said to them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth... And is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is anointed, and I thank you, Lord, that you preserved it for this time. I ask you, Lord, today to hide me behind the shadow of the cross, Lord. I ask you to anoint your servant, Lord, as I preach your word. Lord, I share these words, Father, that I'll speak what you want me to speak. Father, and the seed of the word will fall on fertile ground here today. And I believe we have fertile ground, Lord. We want to do your will. We want to hear your word, Jesus. Speak to us through this sermon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe just a couple of weeks ago, I, we preached about this going into the, all the world. We normally go to Matthew 28 for the Great Commission, but the book of Mark repeats it and gives us some other thoughts about the Great Commission. And whatever passage you want to use, it's clear that we must evangelize. That's what going into all the world is it's evangelizing. We, we've got to go and share the good news. Of the gospel. We call it the Great Commission, but sometimes, sadly, it's the Great Omission. Am I talking to a bunch of perfect people here today? Is everybody doing their part? Everybody sharing the kingdom every day just like they should be? I didn't think so. We can all do better. We all know that. We all know we can share the good news greater than what we're doing right now. Sometimes we fail to do so because we're afraid, though. Because we just don't know how to go about it. Well, Brother Drew, I don't, I'm not a preacher. I don't have a pulpit. Years ago, I made a statement. And I thought, boy, that's a good statement. You don't have to, be a, to have a pulpit to be a preacher. 
You don't have to have a, a glass pulpit that says Trinity Faith Tabernacle on it to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be doing it every day in our work, every day with our friends, every day with our family. Guess what? You all right? Okay. That's why we don't play and jump around up there. I'm just teasing. <laughs> every day we need to be sharing the word of God. Every day we need to be sharing the word of God. What I was going to say is, I don't have to go out looking for someone to share the word of God with. God puts people in our paths. Every day, God puts people in our paths. Sometimes it's Shelly. Come to work, and Shelly's in my path, so she gets to hear the word of God. Sometimes it's at Harps. It's a Walmart. It's, it's wherever I go. But God brings people in our path to share the good news, and he's going to continue to do that. The reason why is because he wants us to evangelize. He wants us to share the good, good, the good news of Jesus Christ. How many remember the uh, old TV show, uh, Little House on the Prairie? You remember that show? I didn't like it at all. It's too boring. But I, I, I watched the beginning of it. And everything. I don't know why I liked the beginning of the show. The, but I, I, I did see some of the shows. I was up at Shirley, and I had an aunt and uncle there, and she just was a faithful watcher of Michael Landon. She, she had to see him in uh, Little House on the Prairie. I remember watching some of them shows when I was at her house. And they had this old church building. This church building was uh, also their school and everything. But when it was on Sundays, you know, they were going to go to church. They'd get up and they'd ring the bell. It was up, up in the, I don't know, wherever the bell, the bell tower or whatever. He would ring the bell and everybody would come. And you had the Christians come out. But then you also had the guy that was the bad guy in the story too, that he was trying to take some property or he had shot somebody or whatever. They're just ringing the bell and everybody showed up. How many knows it doesn't work that way? It certainly doesn't work that way. This, if that's all it took, we'd get us a bell out there, and we'd start ringing that bell, get sinners to come into church. It doesn't work that way. It could happen that way. It just usually don't. Some people think that's all you got to do is ring the bells, and the sinners are going to flock to the church. And the preacher and the elders will win them, and they'll fall on their knees weeping and repenting. It could happen, but it's just not likely. The word evangelize means to share religious beliefs, especially Christian ones, with other people. The word evangelize comes from the church Latin meaning to spread or preach the gospel. The Greek root word means to bring good news. To bring good news. Today, I'm bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. You guys are being awfully quiet for me giving you good news here. I'm giving you good news here today. Evangelism is so easy... And sometimes we make it really hard. It's so easy to share what Christ has done. But it's so hard for us. Why is it so hard for us? I remember in youth work getting people to, I had some kids that were just bold. They were ready to go out and tell everybody about Jesus. And then other kids, oh, that's not my personality. I don't want to. Do you know what? If something's bubbling on the inside of, if you're really in love with something, you can't help but talk about them. When me and Shelly started dating, I had this picture of her. Before cell phones. Had this picture of, carried it in my Bible. I was so holy. <laughs> carried it in my Bible. The real, the real purpose of that is to show everybody. When I went to church, hey, look at this. I'm dating her. I'm in love with her. This is the girl I'm going to marry. When you have something in your heart, when you're in love with something in your heart, you're going to share it. And just, just, a, just a little thing, you can do your own self-check here. If you're not bubbling with Jesus, if you're not wanting to share Jesus, you might ought to check your heart. You might ought to check your heart. 
We need to start realizing that we're responsible for sharing the good news. And the person who hears the good news, they're responsible for responding. We can't save them in and of ourselves. It's the Spirit of the Lord. We're, our job is just to we'll be the messenger. Tell the good news. There's a gift or an office of evangelists. However, we must remember that like Timothy, we must all do the work of an evangelist if there's none available. 2 Timothy 4 and 5 says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. 1 Peter 3 and 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that, seek, that, that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. They're telling us to be prepared to share Jesus. We're to share Jesus. How do we preach the good news? The first way by Scripture is to go into all the world. All the world. We're thinking to ourselves, okay, let me go sell everything and call the district office, tell them I'm going to be a missionary. i got to go to all the world, so start booking our flights to go everywhere. There's some that's called to be a missionary. God puts it on their heart, gives an impression into their heart, speaks to them, and tells them, where they, they've got to go and share the word of God. He's not spoke to me to go overseas, I'm just saying. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. But you know what? Our part of the world is right here in front of us. Our part of the world is right down here at Harps. Our part of the world is Greenbrier High School. Greenbrier Elementary, Elementary, and Wooster and Spring Hill Elementary. That's our part of the world. Our friends, our family, our neighborhood, are we reaching our part of the world? I know there's a lot of questions there, but we need to be answering these things. Answering to God, are we doing our part to evangelize and going into all the world? Sometimes it's our job. We need to be the evangelist on our job. I heard a story the other day about a preacher. He'd got saved. He said on Friday, he said, I was telling the dirtiest of jokes. He said on Monday, I was telling them about Jesus. He said, they couldn't figure it out. And he said, I just had to tell them what happened to me on Sunday. He said, I got somebody off my back. He said, so I went. And they just kept inviting, kept inviting. Finally, I went to church and got saved on that Sunday. He said, so come in Monday. They couldn't figure out what I was doing. You're just telling dirty jokes Friday, not Monday. God will change you. If you'll just get the good news out there, he'll change people. There is no secular or sacred parts of our lives. We shouldn't separate them. There's so many times we think Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, we go to church. But Monday, we go to the real world. This is the real world too, by the way. But that's the way we categorize it in our mind. You know, we got work to do. We got a roof to climb on, Brother Angel. We got, we got a house to build. We, we got different things. Brother Mike, we got some siding to put on. We've got some plumbing to do. We got all these things. Our first thing should be kingdom work. Who am I going to speak to about Jesus today on my job? Oh, just wait till I talk to that owner. I'm going to let him know about Jesus. Wait, oh, wait till I talk to the guys down at Lowe's or Home Depot. Or right, I'm, I'm going to let them know. That's the way we should look at our life. That You know what? We have a mission every day, and that's to evangelize the world, all the world. Whoever's in our path, whoever God brings into our path, our workers, our, our, our people we're seeing in the stores, we're supposed to be evangelizing to them first. Not worrying about our job, not worrying about our money, not worrying about different things. That should be our first priority 
is spreading the good news of the gospel. We are to be fully, 100% sanctified to the Lord's work, 24 hours, 7 days a week. And the pay, if the paycheck says TFT, Walmart, or Steak and Shake on it, it should be kingdom work that's first, not the check that we're getting. We miss our purpose when we try to separate our lives into different categories. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're to be ready in season and out of season to give that reason of the hope that lies within you. Very few unbelievers are going to wake up Sunday morning and say, you know what? I think I'm going to go to church today. I put it in my notes. Just daring me to say it. Sometimes it's just hard to get the Christians to get up and go to church on Sunday morning. I said it. You're the faithful ones. I know that. And I appreciate that. But the, the Christians, sometimes it's hard to get them to get up on Sunday mornings to go to the church, let alone the unbelievers. If we get more Christians to live up to the expectations of the unbelievers, we might see more of them become believers. The unbelievers expect the Christians to be in church. When the heart is hot, it will have to go and tell. God, may our hearts burn within us again. Hallelujah. Luke 24 and 32 says, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened, while he opened to us the scriptures. We evangelize by giving all the gospel and we give the gospel to all it's not just to a few it's to everyone that we meet we don't just pick and choose we're going to preach the gospel to every creature we have a responsibility Ezekiel 3 and 16 says, And it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But the blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Put it in Drew language. We have a responsibility to be the watchman. We have a responsibility to warn people. When we see the enemy coming into their lives, we have a responsibility. How many has ever been offended? I mean, you can raise your hand if you want. I have. How many has ever been offended because somebody warned you about something and you didn't like it? I have. And they were right on base. I didn't think they were. I was like, are you kidding me? One time, uh, my sister-in-law, she gave me a book by Dr. Dobson about how to raise kids. I was, I was insulted. Are you kidding me? You're telling me how to get, you got two crybabies there won't shut up and you're trying to tell me how to raise kids? And you know what? I started reading that book, and I was like, well, this is good stuff. I, I needed to know this stuff. This is really pretty good stuff. I'm going to start implementing some of them things. But we take offense sometimes when somebody warns us and tells us about something maybe that we're doing in our life. 
God trying to help us out. You know, instead of getting offended, maybe we should examine our own life and realize, God, if there's something in me that's keeping me from the best things you have for me, keeping me from my relationship with you, God, forgive me. I heard them say several times this week out of preachers' mouths, these preachers got so high and mighty, they're scared to say, God, forgive me. We got to come to repentance, folks. We have to come to repentance. And for us to sit in here and say we never do anything wrong, we're dead wrong. Brother Don Norton, he said it like this. He said, you're a bunch of liars if that's what you're saying. <laughs> he said, if you, you say you don't need repentance, oh, I've already, it's already under the He said, you're a bunch of liars. He said, I live for God. He said, I know how hard I fail at times too. He said, you're a bunch of liars. You say you don't have to repent. Well, I'm telling you, don't be mad at me. Be, be mad at Brother Norton. That's good stuff, folks. When we, when we come to the point that we don't think we need forgiveness for something, we're in trouble. We're in a very dangerous place. Just as the watchman was to, to perform his duty and warn everyone, we're also to give the gospel to everyone along with the warning. And you know what? If we don't do that, we're failing to evangelize. We're failing to evangelize. It's my job to preach the gospel, and it's your job to preach the gospel. This command does not teach a limited atonement, but it does expect an unlimited obedience. We have to be obedient to the word of God. He's telling us to go and preach to all the world. We're thinking, well, that's not me. That's the pastor. That's this one. That's that one. It's to every believer. It is to every believer. We believe the word of God. I ask you this all the time. We believe the word of God, but sometimes we don't act like it. We're not sharing the good news like we should. May God convict us and put an end Put an end to our slothfulness sometimes, our forgetfulness sometimes. Let me say this too. We must give the gospel to all because prejudice should be dead in the believer. Prejudice should be dead in the believer. Can I go on to say this? If prejudice is not dead in the believer, you're not a believer. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. How can you love God when you can't love your brother? <clears throat> Why spend thousands of dollars on missionaries? Thousands upon thousands. I, can, I wouldn't even know what the, the number would be, Brother Jordan. The money this church has put out the last 30 years to missionaries going into uh, Africa Different, different people that's, that's not white Caucasian. What's the sense in sending the money if our heart's not right? Lord, help us. I got a bunch of scriptures for you. I'm running out of time. John 4, 35 says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white and are ready to harvest. The harvest field is ready. They're ready. I read somewhere when I, when I was researching this, I read somewhere where like 79% of people that come to church go to church because they were invited by a, friendly, uh, by a friend or a family member. Just simply inviting to church. That, that's not even leading to someone's salvation. That's just inviting someone to church. 79% of every church member that comes here, everyone that goes to church, was invited by a friend or a family member. 
Second thing I want to talk about today is we do need to evangelize, but the second thing, we worship God. This is, this is part of four things I'm going to be speaking about, and we're going to get the second part of this on Wednesday night. But we need to worship God. I'm going to read this out of the modern King James Version, John 4 and 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well, you have well said, I have no husband. But you have had five husbands. He's letting her know, yeah, you said that well, but I already know you had five husbands. And he whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Well, isn't that amazing? She walks up there and he tells her exactly what's going on. I perceive you know something about me. I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither worship the Father in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We, he's talking about the Jews, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I am the one speaking to you. The reason why I went to the modern King James Version is because I love the way that last line is. I am the one that's speaking to you. I am the Messiah. He's letting you know, I am the be worshipped. There's a whole lot that goes along with these scriptures. The mountain they were on and how the Samaritans were worshiping. There, there's a whole lot of details involved in there. But one of the truths I want to pull out, pull out of there is the most familiar scriptures in there is, is when he, he's just telling you, you got to worship in spirit and in truth. You have to worship in spirit and truth. God is seeking out worshipers who will worship him in the way he desires. That's only one way, in spirit and in truth. How do we know whether we qualify or, or not as worshipers of God? I'm going to give you four marks of a genuine worshiper. You can evaluate yourself, all right? Genuine worshipers come clean with God. You're awfully quiet. We just talked about repentance a minute ago. I have no husband is what she said. While the woman did not reveal her past, Jesus tactfully did. She was telling him, you know, that's... She's still trying to cover it up just a little bit. And Jesus brought it to her attention. While affirming her own statement, he uncovers her past and identifies her present. He awakens her conscience. He lets her know, it's not right. You need to come clean with me. You need to, you need to know. Revealing a true statement in her life. Yeah, you're not married right now, but the one you live with is not your husband. You've had five in the past. The fact that she tries to change the subject is the next thing she does. He simply responded to her, speaking the truth in love. She did not defend herself or deny the Lord's correct diagnosis of her past life or her present life. We have to come clean with God. For us to worship in spirit and truth, we can't have a heart that's not right before God. 
plain and simple. You, if your heart's not right with God, you can't worship in spirit and in truth. You can come down here and jump around, roll around, throw your hands up, sing as loud as anybody. It's not worship unto God. Not unless your heart's clean. Not unless you've asked for forgiveness. You're in right standing with God. Hmm. <laughs> she also confirms and affirms that Jesus has said everything and, and she realizes, Sir, I can tell you're a prophet. I perceive you're a prophet. In that sense, she came clean with Jesus regarding her life. You know, when God confronts us with something, puts it right in front of us, that's the way most of us are. Then we're finally ready to say, oh, okay, you got me. That's right, you got me. I am acting that way. God forgive me. I've had it happen. People come to me and tell me something like, oh, you know what? God's using them. Then I've had other times where God just tell me right to my heart, Drew, that's not right. And like, oh, God, he got me. You got me. Sometimes it wasn't even intentional, Brother Mike. It wasn't even intentional sometimes. But God, the Holy Spirit, reveals to me, you need to get back in right standing. You need to do the right thing. You need to repent. Come clean with God. I'm going to ask this question. When was the last time we came clean with God? He knows our past. He knows our present. He knows what we've been doing, even when no one else does. You may fool mom and dad. You may fool me. You may fool the deacons. You may fool the staff. You didn't fool God. Guess what? I'm not your creator. I'm not your judge. But your creator and your judge sees what you're doing. If we'll confess our sins and come clean with God... We can worship him in spirit and truth. Genuine worshipers know who they're worshiping. So many times we see it. You see it in concerts. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Christian concerts or whatever. But they call it worship. and They're just really worshiping the music, the artist, or whatever. I, you know, I'm kind of old-fashioned. What we've seen down in, in Houston was really just old-fashioned Pentecostal services. That's, that's all we've seen. That's what I grew up with, you know, dodging people. Because if you didn't dodge, you was going to get hit by somebody. Whether they was running or falling out in spirit, you dodged them. But nowadays, we see people just singing the songs, reading the lyrics, even sometimes up here dancing around, doing their own thing. They're doing it for a show, doing it for... Um, I don't know, that, that's just part of their program. That's what they're going to do. And I'm not against any of the running around, falling out, nothing like that. What I'm saying is we have to know who we're singing about. We have to have that relationship to be a true worshiper. And when we do that, some of these things are going to happen. Some of these things are going to happen where they, they get up and walk on altars and pews and roll around the floor or fall out in the spirit, do a Jericho march, whatever it may be. You know what, that, them are all good things, but let's know who we're worshiping. We're not worshiping the music or the artists. We're worshiping God. I'm not getting through all this today. Like I said, I'm going to preach this again Wednesday. I already knew in my heart I wasn't getting through this today. <laughs>